0: don't like certain t- singing types that's okay but i think to say that it doesn't belong in the song or it doesn't fit i think you're not listening properly or looking at the big picture or really understanding what's going on in the song can we expect some sort of rap in new brand of sacrifice because then your music doesn't last the test of time if you become a carbon copy of whatever the meta is
1: brand of sacrifice is not death core they're not metal core they're
0: death metal core <laughs> like people forget that while it's music we're entertainers
1: welcome to episode four of the metalbird podcast actually no this is episode five episode five and today i am stoked to have one of the most talented vocalists in the deathcore genre and from a band that do i dare say is helping reinvent what the meaning of deathcore is Brand of Sacrifice is helping change the game with lead man Kyle Anderson. And, dude, I am stoked to have you on the podcast. How are you, man?
0: Doing really well. Thanks for having me, man.
1: Yeah, no worries. Like, how have things been since Exodus?
0: Really good. Uh, Saw quite a bit of growth from the song, and uh, it's still still going. Plays are still coming in, so I'm excited about that for sure. Yeah,
1: growth as in, like, a lot of new numbers in terms of Spotify or...
0: Yeah, Spotify, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all the socials really have, have grown. So that's a good sign. Nice. Well, what
1: was uh, people's like uh, perspective on the cleans? Because it seems a little bit taboo to do that in Deathcore, you know?
0: So I think overall it's positive. Um, I think there's some people that like Deathcore that just will refuse to like cleans at all. And that's OK. You know, people like what they like. You know, I'm, I'm cool with that. I happen to like singing in heavy music personally. Uh, and I've done it in the past with other bands and other projects. So uh, I wanted to incorporate it into Brand of Sacrifice, but I felt it had to be the right song and the right uh, part for it. So,
1: yeah. And, and it sounds awesome. The new song is amazing, man. I loved it. Um, do you think deathcore as a genre can like include cleans or does it need to have like a fine line?
0: Where- um, I think if the part calls for it and you have someone that can sing, it is cool. I think it, it can be fine. It can work. Um, there's also the other way you could do it. You could have melody from the standpoint of a guitar or um, the, the and choir and things like that. Like Lorna Shore. Lorna Shore basically has a song that's a ballad. Uh, that Will is kind of screaming along with the melody but he's not actually singing so there's different ways to sort of display that melody but I think Cleans can definitely fit in in the deathcore genre
1: yeah I totally agree too and Pain Remains that is such a sick song the ballad kind of aspect to it would you guys ever do a ballad I think we would yeah
0: I think we would Um, we started writing one Uh, it's not going to be on the next release but we're we're playing around with it. We want to make sure it, it sort of makes sense in context with the rest of the songs, and uh, it's it's done tastefully. So we're still sort of refining it, but I definitely we will include it in in a, in a newer release.
1: Nice. So when it comes to new brand of sacrifice, do you have like an idea of like? the direction that you want to go. I was listening to you on the Garza podcast a little bit, too, and uh, you were talking about how, like, Deathcore is going into two different... Uh, you you see it going into two different ways. Like, you're going to have the more electronic stuff or, like, you're going to go back to the old classic Deathcore kind of stuff. So, like, I guess with of Sacrifice, are you going to go more into electronics, more into cleans, or, like, maybe even a little bit of old-school vibes?
0: Um... I think that we're still always going to be heavy on the electronics. It's a big part of our sound. Uh, I think that's what kind of helps us stand out a little bit too, because a lot of bands are symphonic, um, like Shadow of Intent or Lorna Shore, bands like that. Um, but we don't really lean into that as much. Um, we choose different types of choirs. If we use them, then like you, you, cho- you use like the children's choir a lot, or we use like a, a lead. Uh, female singer a lot Mm -hmm. of time our music so we we try to do it a little bit differently and we also have a lot of the uh kind of video game soundtrack influence as well and edm influence that those other bands don't have as much of so i think that helps us stand out
1: oh oh no for sure it totally makes you stand out too like i remember a long time ago i think it was like 2019 or 2020 and uh I was at a show, and some guy recognized me from my YouTube channel. He's like, hey, Metal Bourbon, we were talking, and then he said, like, "Um, you got to check out Brand of Sacrifice, bro. I'm like, yeah, I've seen it in comments, and, like, sure, like, I'll check it out sometimes. you got to check out the song Eclipse. I'm like, all right, all right. I remember him. uh, He was a really cool guy, so I checked out Eclipse. I'm like, holy shit. Like, the choir elements, like, that was, like, one of the biggest uh, standouts. It kind of reminded me of, like, um... Under oath a little bit, like old school under oath where it had like some choir kind of melody. Um, but yeah, stuff like that is just helps you guys stand out so much. But like what made you want to include choir and in electronics? Is it you or is it someone else in the band that's kind of like loves that kind of sound?
0: So that's uh that's Leo. So Leo's a guitar player and he does all the production. So he he produces everything, he mixes it. Um Mike Collagen. Uh, handles the mastering uh, but uh, that's all Leo um, basically this was not really supposed to be a real band at first just supposed to be a fun side project we wanted to just make hilariously heavy music and I gave Leo some examples of bands that I was digging I think I sent him like Viljarda Meshuga, some other deathcore bands like the classics like White Chaplain Suicide Silence and then I actually even Rings of Saturn was uh, an influence at the time and right, then some yeah. of the slam music like devourment and you know uh, even some suffocation was in there uh but we ended up sort of getting the sound that we have out of it because he just kind of wrote what felt natural at the time uh eclipse was actually the very first song we ever wrote too uh as a as a project so it was just him and i and it's just uh you know uh now uh liam our other guitar player will contribute some riffs here and there and whatnot but that's sort of where it started, and it was just kind of what naturally happened. Yeah. Uh,
1: so. Yeah, I find it insane too. Just like what Garza was saying, is like first song you have your sound identified so early on. That's like <laughs> so rare with most bands. But yeah, Eclipse is such a cool track, and I have seen uh, Leo do like some TikToks and stuff, and how he produces some of the heavy tracks. And I'm just like, this is so cool because Brandon sacrifices. One of the few bands that I feel like are really utilizing, like, social media to their advantage. And I I feel like that's helped you guys grow as well. You guys are always interacting with reactors and stuff, um, and doing, like, cool TikTok things behind the scenes of um, the new album when you're trying to promote it, the VR stuff. Like, uh, what made you get into the headspace of, like, we, we gotta use social media to our advantage?
0: Well, I mean, everything changes and happens so quick on the internet. Um, and visibility is obviously really important. But we also just have fun with the marketing side of things. Um, you know, Leo and I are constantly coming up with ideas. I. Today, I made a stupid TikTok of me just, like, freestyling over a breakdown. and (laughs) made it it super silly. I'm, like, yelling into a shoe. at (laughs) And then it randomly switches to that. But, you know, Uh because the music's super heavy and and serious sounding. But I think it's important to also have fun with it as well. You don't have to. You can can joke around. You can have a sense of humor. But uh, from, like, the marketing standpoint, um, we realized that, like, I personally think that reactors are extremely important. They're tastemakers. A lot of people consume YouTube and TikTok content, whether it's like, you know, the new hip hop song that comes out. I can think of like Anthony Fantano for example. That's a great example of someone that's a tastemaker in in the music industry and and uh people want to hear what they have to say. And the same thing goes for someone like you, for example, doing a good job of getting like a lot of artists out there and exposure for them so i think it's very important to uh you know have a good relationship with reactors and uh any type of um person with the platform because also you can collaborate like we're doing right now as well which is awesome you know and I've stuff with like nick nocturnal and andrew baina as well and it's always a great time and and fans and supporters love that kind of stuff so it's just a win win for everybody and it's a good time. Um we're all here to create art and collaborate and have a good time. So
1: Thanks, man. Thank you. And yeah, um, you know, so when doing all this kind of stuff, like uh the TikToks, I noticed that like uh I feel like the new breakdown from Exodus kind of had like every sound that you could put into it to help like the reactors just kind of go like, What the hell? Like you were doing the pig snarls, the the breeze, the blaze, and like uh I think it worked, man. I think like every like, like a lot of my reaction friends, we were all like mind blown to that breakdown too. Clipped it for TikTok. Unfortunately, TikTok doesn't like any sort of violence. So it's like kinda like blocked.
0: That so, happened to us too. <laughs> it, was,
1: it was stupid. Even though they allow like a whole bunch of chicks twerking and stuff, but
0: <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. There's some interesting formats that are allowed for sure.
1: I know, I know. But yeah, no, I, I do my best to help out like a, a lot of the bands that people don't know. And um, there's times where I make videos for bands that, yeah, like they're pretty underground. Um, and the bands don't really interact. And it just kind of like, I think you're kind of missing out on a good opportunity to kind of like share the content. Obviously, it'll help me out. But like also there's ways to collaborate, too, and then uh, build a, like a relationship. With like the content creators and also the people producing the music. So that's why I think you guys are just so, so cool in that regard for always constantly working with us. So I think all of us kind of appreciate it, too. Like I talked to a lot of my reaction friends and
0: we all think it's uh, really sick what you guys are doing. We, we actually try to watch every single one, even if it's like a channel that has like 20 <laughs> subscribers, we'll still watch them. So um, we really try to um, show the love to everybody that's showing love back by listening to the track and checking the video out. So that means a lot to us. And we, it's the least we can do to comment and, you know, have a conversation. So,
1: yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, this is not a smooth pivot in the slightest, but I want I really want to bug you what you think of like the modern death scene Cause like, I know you love the old classics, right? Um, and, uh, you know the new stuff you guys are helping reinvent what deathcore is uh white getting a little bit softer with kin like what do you think of the modern deathcore scene at the moment
0: i think it's pretty exciting it's uh it's it's got elements of like the og deathcore sound i guess but it's not really the same thing in my opinion because there's so many uh subgenres that have been added to the mix and influences um and now we have social media and the internet, which wasn't really a huge thing yet. What did you have back then? MySpace. Um, so that has a big impact as well. But uh, yeah, I'm. I mean, as far as like sound goes, uh, I think it's exciting. Like the biggest bands that I can think of in this genre that are new bands, at least or up and coming bands, that would probably be um, Lorna Shore would be at the top, obviously. Slaughter to Prevail, um, Shadow of Intent would be another one. Um, I mean, I don't want to put my band on the list, but I think. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Go for it. <laughs> and then there's lots of other awesome ones that are like, you know, you know, really new and starting to, you know, get and make a name for themselves. I like the band uh, Crown Magnetar. They're sick. Oh, yeah. Um, there's another band called Worm Shepherd, which is kind of in the vein of Lorna Shore, I'd say, but they're new and, and it's it's very different from like the classic sound. And then, of course, you got amazing bands like Angel Maker as well. Uh, more Canadian boys. But yeah. Very different, too, than us. They're completely different sound than us. So, um, dude. But if you if you looked at... No, go ahead. No, no, no. I didn't want to interrupt,
1: but I, I'm just wondering, were you at the Toronto show for Lauren, show? Lauren Shore?
0: I was not. I was actually in the States at the time. Oh. Uh, so I, I wish I could have made it, but I was, uh, I was in Connecticut at the time.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. So I was just mind blown to the Angel Maker when I saw them live because I checked out their new album and I thought it was solid. Um, but I I'd seen it live just hits a lot different. And um, yeah. I feel like that's like the case with you guys too. Like, you, there's so much stuff going on. Even recorded sounds good, but live. I right, I saw you guys live a long time ago. You opened up for Shadow of Intent, I think it was like Hard Luck Bar, maybe. Yeah. 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 You guys were so yeah. sick. Yeah. I don't like yeah. that venue, but. It was a good time nevertheless. what do you, what do you think of uh, the Toronto scene because you obviously grew up with it and yeah, for people that don't know, I'm from Toronto too. so um, well I, I technically grew up in Oshawa, the dirty schwa. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, so back then we had like um, the dungeon, so the dungeon was the, the spot I've been there. You've been there? Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, shit I've been there. Also, I found out through the Garza podcast we're the same age. I'm 32 as well.
0: Yeah, we're the same age. Yes, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be 32 this year.
1: Oh, okay, so 91.
0: Uh, I'm 90. Oh shit, okay, I'm a 92. Wait,
1: actually, I'm 32. I I am 32. I'm like behind in time. I forget, <laughs> I forget how old I am now. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, so that uh, means we were probably at the dungeon and stuff around like the the same age too. But um, so yeah, that was kind of like my scene back in the day. So. What was the Toronto scene
0: like for you? So it's it's pretty different now. I'd say it's on. Uh, I think the hardcore side of things is doing pretty well, it seems like seems like there's a bit of a resurgence. They've had a few shows at in Hamilton that have doing been doing pretty well with some bands from Toronto and whatnot. Uh, I think there's a venue that's like a skate park that people have been having shows there and they're doing well. And that's that's kind of a part of the Toronto scene in, in a way. Um, but I feel like a lot of people mostly go to the bigger shows. Um, there's not really a local scene per se that is sizable right now.
1: Really? Um, So they're not helping out. Sorry, they're not helping out like the underground bands as much, you think?
0: I just think there's not a lot of them right now. Mm. Um, you know, when I was when we were growing up in the scene, there was a lot of bands in, in the metal and hardcore scene. There are deathcore bands or metalcore bands. There's all different genres and styles, but, uh, it just doesn't, there's not as many now. And especially those are that are, uh, gaining traction online or anything like that. For example, my band, we didn't even play locally in Toronto until we had done a few tours already. Really? So
1: this is brand of sacrifice,
0: com- brand of sacrifice. Yeah. We completely skipped local scene. We went in- immediately on the road. Um, And our first show was actually in Trenton, New Jersey. What? Not in Toronto. (laughs) That seems pretty unusual, though, right? Yeah, it is. It's very unusual. Okay. Um, We we had already had a booking agent at that point, and uh, we were on a a smaller label called Unique Leader Records at the time. And uh, so we just hopped on a tour. We were the opener for a band called Signs of the Swarm. You may know them.
1: Oh, I know all the bands that you're mentioning. Yeah. <laughs> it
0: was their, it was their very first tour uh, headlining uh, at the time I think So we did that with them It was a, a quick run in the states and then we immediately went on the summer slaughter tour. That was our second tour.
1: Summer slaughter so. was your second tour Yeah holy <laughs> shit
0: um how'd you guys manage that? Basically, um, there was a band that was supposed to open the tour and they dropped and they contacted our agent and they said, we need an answer within an hour. So we just accepted it and we did it. And that was it. And wow. then they announced the tour the next day and we were on it at that point.
1: So it was a bit of luck too, for sure then, eh? But also some yeah, connections. It was, just the,
0: it was the right place, right time kind of thing. But, um, that's a pretty big jump from, you know, like a smaller signs of the swarm headliner. they were a newer band and to summer slaughter where you have like you know carnifex and cattle decapitation and uh headlining the the thing so
1: yeah those are big bands did you see a big jump in like uh streams after that tour
0: yeah definitely uh i think though the biggest jump that we saw was probably after touring with rings of saturn and then shadow of intent uh as far as tours go. And then after that point, then the the, everything shut down. Um, So then we put out lifeblood during the the pandemic.
1: Yeah. So how how was the pandemic? How did it affect you guys? Because, yeah, you released an album. Um, I'm assuming you couldn't tour. Right. So how would you guys manage?
0: So I actually think that a lot of people felt that they shouldn't release music during the pandemic because they can't tour it at the time. They couldn't tour it at the time. I actually thought that it was more of an opportunity than uh than a mistake, I guess, as some people thought it might be. And I think it was definitely that because there just wasn't a lot of traffic at the time. So we put out the record and people were excited about it because there wasn't any cool Deathcore records coming out. And uh we did the best we could and tried to write the best songs we possibly could. We actually had time compared to our first full length Godhand. Put a lot more time into mixing it and writing the songs and whatnot. And uh it it we doubled or tripled in size from putting that record out. Um so I think uh, it was a really good opportunity to put music out during the pandemic. And it was we were able to start building finances again and then when the everything started coming back for touring, then it was a lot easier to get back on your feet. But man, that's,
1: yeah, that's so smart. You guys actually leverage the pandemic. Um, I remember when like during the peak of COVID and stuff, um, there was actually like a good amount of songs dropping for me to make content around. But yeah, I just like it makes you wonder like, can you tour this stuff? Is it worth it financially? But the fact that you guys tripled in size Holy shit, it's actually cool to hear some concrete, um, I guess, like evidence of like being successful during the pandemic. So what's it been like since like, uh, you know, things are opening up now and you're going back to playing this stuff live? Have you seen like, uh, obviously, there's probably like a lot more people now, right? At shows?
0: Um, The shows are better than ever right now. People are, especially when things started returning, people were so hungry and they were just rowdy. It was awesome. It's a great and they still are now. Especially, you know, I think because the scene's exciting right now. Yeah. The core scene in general is exciting, especially Deathcore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we did we did like a few headlining shows to get to the Blue Ridge Rock Festival, not this year, but last year. And that those are awesome. Um, and mm-hmm. then we went out with uh Dying Fetus after that and then uh chelsea grin as well wow and and those that was great so that was our first uh real runs playing the lifeblood stuff and it had been out for uh, quite a few months at that point already but people were eager to hear it so nice has there there been a good amount of time to get it in get it dialed in i guess
1: nice has there been any uh tours where like Maybe fans didn't accept you because I think like dying fetus, right? They're pretty like classic sounding like death metal So like uh then hearing some anime inspired death chorus. There's some times where like uh the fan base is like kind of like wondering what if they like your sound, or is everyone super accepting of it?
0: I didn't feel as if we had any kind of issues. I think we have enough riffs and blast beats <laughs> and you know, crazy parts that the Fetus fans were into it, because Fetus is pretty riffy. Yeah. Um, and they're really heavy too. So I think they, you know, some people might've not been as down with the, a lot of the tracks we have and things like that, but I think they were impressed by the riffing and the speed and things like that. So.
1: That's awesome because I was talking to uh, roadie Walker from protest the hero and uh, They had a tour with dragon forest right and so wow. a lot Yeah, and like a lot of their music sounds kind of dragon He actually one of their songs has like a, a solo from the dragon force keyboardist But they were getting booed at like uh, most of the shows too. And I'm like, well, these guys are pretty riffy, too So I'm surprised that they don't like it.
0: So it's That's just like really like, weird because they they're also a singing band Yeah, and they're quick and they're fast
1: That's what I mean, right? I feel like some fan bases are just kind of like not accepting of certain styles So that's wicked that you guys are just like yeah Getting like well-respected in all the tours and stuff even like if you're going to Chelsea Grin Which I feel like Chelsea Grin for sure like but like a dying fetus seems like a a more Particular crowd, but I I guess not I think uh, that's really cool that they're open-minded to it But like you said Enough blast beats enough riffs. Yeah
0: I think it was cool because that way we're getting exposed to older fans as well. Our fan base is a little bit younger, you know, probably between, I'd say, maybe like 14 to like 32, 36. But there's people there that are like 40 and 50 that like Dying Fetus. Dying Fetus has been around for a while. Mm -hmm. So it was, I mean, that's a good opportunity to maybe win over some older fans too.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you guys are getting kids into deathcore, actually, when I think about it.
0: i That's what <laughs> I'm hoping for. I want to be the band that, you know, when I was a kid, you know, you have your favorite bands. Like probably my favorite band was Linkin Park as a kid. Nice. And it'd be cool to be like a gateway band. I don't ha- I don't care about being the heaviest band in the world. But if I'm a band that you loved as a kid and you still kind of hold on to that as an adult later, then I've done the job that I want to do.
1: That's so sick. Yeah, the fact that you're getting these young kids into very, like, heavy styles of music is actually really cool. Um, I like it how you said, like, you're not trying to be the heaviest band in the world, but your breakdowns are so freaking heavy, too. <laughs> but uh, actually, speaking of, like, how heavy your music is now, I want to go back in time and talk about, like, uh, you know, obviously the afterimage was a completely different style. Um, uh, man, I don't even know where to what to ask first because I love to pick your brain. But, like what do you miss that kind of style a little bit of just singing and shreddy noodly kind of guitar riffs?
0: It was definitely fun to make that music at the time Um, and I I do miss like being able to really go to the melodic side and not have to worry or be careful about what you're doing because that band was more progressive and melodic so you could kind of do what you wanted to do. But we also had ridiculously heavy parts, too, in that band. That was kind of the dichotomy with it. Um, but, yeah, I, st- I definitely miss it. But that kind of style, I feel, is not really as relevant now in in the core scene. It's kind of like, on the metalcore side, it's a lot of architects' inspiration still at the moment. That's more of the meta. Back then, it was sort of a little bit of gent, a little bit of progressive... A little bit of Rise Records, like 2010's Rise Records. Mm-hmm. So I think things have kind of come and gone a little bit for the most part. So uh, definitely miss making that. But at the same time, it's not it wouldn't really apply as much to uh, to today, I feel. Yeah, I
1: totally get that. And I, I like your thinking about like the trends of music, too, because you're right. The afterimage stuff doesn't really, you know, there's a very niche crowd that still enjoys it. But like, it's not as relevant. So I guess with like of Sacrifice, do you guys um, do you have that in mind when you're writing music like for the future and stuff to kind of like follow what's going on, but add your own spin to it?
0: I think it's all about packaging things the right way. Um, You can, I think at the end of the day, if you're having fun doing something, it'll show through the music you're creating. Uh, But I also think you need to be aware of metas. You don't want to just subscribe to them and become that meta because then your music doesn't last the test of time. If you become a carbon copy of whatever the meta is, I think. But if you write something that has that in mind without fully embracing it in a way and having fun making it, then I think your music can be a little more timeless. You can go back to that band and, 10 years and still say this actually holds up pretty well and that's what i would want to achieve
1: i thought that was really well fucking said so yeah i totally agree about the carbon copy thing like i always think that the best bands that stand the test of time are the ones that are genre bending a little bit and uh i think you, you guys are like that for sure i made a tweet saying like brand of sacrifice is not deathcore they're not metalcore their death metal core. <laughs> like <laughs> you, you guys bridge that gap of both genres a little bit too and um, personally when the fact that you guys have this, some clean vocals and Exodus I'm all for it right but like I know some people are like oh this is like metalcore now I'm like come on there can't be cleans in deathcore like it's not poppy it's not it's still like aggressive kind of saying like I think it works really well you guys are just helping <laughs> redefine what the deathcore sound is and because of that I think you guys are going to stand out longer than being a carbon copy of every other deathcore band like man the amount of lauren shore copycats at the moment that i hear from like smaller underground bands like it's really cool but at the same time like yeah this it, you just sound like a carbon copy so
0: yeah you guys definitely stand out big time yeah but, i think it's uh important to sort of have that in mind and you wanna your music should be a reflection of what you like, and yourself. Um, You know, you could be a huge fan of Lorna Shore, but that's not really you in a way. That doesn't define you as a person. So I I would invite those bands that are going down that avenue. Lorna Shore is a great band, and I love all the people in the band, but add a little bit of you to the music.
1: Exactly. So with you and your music, what other outside influences bring into your music? Obviously, you got the anime and stuff, but like, Um, I think a lot of bands that who listen to a lot of like the same kind of bands just sound like, you know, the same typical core band. But if they pull in different influences from outside of metal or rock or from other pop culture, it has like a nice twist to it. So you guys have a unique sound because of it. But like, I'd love to hear you elaborate on some of your influences, maybe even outside of metal.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, on this on my side. Uh, I like to look at uh, hip-hop uh, as well for ideas for vocal patterns and um, hooks and things like that. Um, like who? I, um, it really doesn't, I, I would think of like 3-6 Mafia or like um, even some modern stuff today actually. Uh, you know, I've been listening to like a lot of Polo G and like, like artists like that like really modern stuff but i think uh one thing that we do a little differently than some of the other deathcore bands is we use syncopation a lot with the rhythm of the guitar and kicks that's more that's something that's more utilized in like gent for example yeah we don't have gent riffs but we I like to ride the pattern of the riff and then go leave it a little bit and then come back to it. That's more of like a hip hop type thing to do. Oh, that also comes from inspiration from like bands like Fell Silent and Tesseract and Monuments. Um, They do things like that. Even Periphery. Yeah. Uh, So that's going to be a little bit different than deathcore bands because often it's it's about long high screams and being brutal and. You know, it's not so much about the, the groove and the pattern. It's more about uh, making you feel a certain way. So I think there's moments to make you feel a certain way. There's also moments to actually make you bang your head. So that's one thing I would say as far as influence goes. Um, on the side of the instrumental, I know uh, Leo loves uh, Hans Zimmerman.
1: Oh, uh, nice.
0: He loves Mick Gordon. I think that's pretty apparent.
1: And uh, even Hans Zimmer a little bit, too. You got like yeah. that suspense kind of sound going, right? Where like raises—that's very Zimmerman. I feel like,
0: yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, I've—he's not a huge anime guy, but I've showed him a lot of the original Ghost in the Shell soundtrack um, and the Akira soundtrack as well. Um, the thing that's really cool about the the Ghost in the Cell Ghost in the Shell soundtrack is it's actually a japanese choir that's trying to emulate a hungarian choir they actually tried to hire a hungarian choir but it didn't work out financially so it's japanese people trying to sing like hungarians and it's very super unique it's almost like it's it's so uh haunting and it's recorded a certain way that it's almost clipping it's almost like distorting in a way it is and I, we've been trying to like dial that in a little bit. <laughs> Cause I haven't heard that in uh in modern metal for sure. Uh so there's influences from there those kind of things. Uh Halo is another one as well. Um instrumentally, a lot of Josh Travis influence. Um where it like the squeals and the guitar noises and stuff like that. Obviously we don't we try we don't try to like them. We try to put our own vibe to it, but it comes from I think he's the god of that. type oh, of sound. yeah, but
1: it's funny. Yeah, yeah, you don't jock him because you don't do the genty kind of stuff either, right?
0: Yeah. Um, I'd say, and then kind of in that realm, I'd say Viljarda would be in there as well. A little bit of humanity's last breath, but those kind of go hand in hand. I'd say, mm-hmm. considering Buster's in both projects. Yeah, all uh, baby Thal. And then like you know Whitechapel would be a big one too Suicide Silence vocally Suicide Silence more than Whitechapel probably um and i, I think uh a lot of EDM as well uh Leo would have to elaborate more on that but i mean we've done a couple of EDM tracks remixes of our own songs as well um which kind of dives in that a little bit more but yeah it's a little th- i'd say a little bit different than a lot of the Deathcore bands that are out right now. Oh, and another big one is Slipknot.
1: Of course, yeah. Yeah. But so Leo does the EDM stuff, so you're not big into EDM yourself?
0: Uh, I'm just not as familiar with it. I don't mind EDM. Um, I don't listen to a ton of EDM personally, but um, I, I like adding electronic influence. Like I said, I was a huge Linkin Park fan, which has a ton of electronic influence in that band. So the I- early stuff.
1: And I think that's a great way to modernize your the sound of deathcore or whatever kind of core music too is a lot of electronics. Uh, pretty much most bands are doing it, but like I think the EDM stuff works so incredibly well hand in hand with it because like dubstep and metalcore music isn't really that different. It's you know a build up to a drop to a breakdown kind of thing. Um, so yeah, the EDM influences in your music I think are really sick and helps you guys stand in a little bit. Um, man, you said a lot of cool things in that. First of all, fell silent. So underrated. I love that band. Um, but Polo G, I thought that was really cool what you were saying about the rap stuff. Um, can we expect some sort of rap in new brand of sacrifice? I
0: don't know. I mean, I haven't really found a part. I've done it a little bit on my side project, uh, Earth Shatter, that we have, that Leo and I have. But, uh, I mean, if there is a part for it, I might even consider like having like a, a feature that was a rapper. That'd be cool, too. Nice. Yeah. I, I I would rather have features that were outside of genre now, at this point, since we've done a lot of what you'd expect. I think we want to have some stuff out of left field a little bit,
1: dude. And I think it does wonders for like the core music, like Darko. Right? They had Shalangi from Unity TX. I guess is like not yeah, bad. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and it sounded fucking awesome on their uh, on their song, um, evolving. And then also like even Polyphia, right? Polyphia's new record. Is bringing in a whole bunch of hip-hop artists like Lil little west and stuff and like even like yeah. pure pop Sophia black like a lot of like elitists were just like oh, this is way too poppy But I'm like in the long run though It's making this music even more relevant because it's bridging that gap between other genres So yeah, I love the idea of you possibly like collaborating with like people outside of metal and rock a little bit But yeah, yeah.
0: I think that's the way to go because we, we've gotten a lot of, you know, what you'd expect. And, and obviously you want to make the fans happy. And, you know, us doing a song with Will is is sick for the fans. And I'm, I'm super happy with that. But I think it'd be cool for next the next music to have some curveballs.
1: Oh, that'd be so sick, man. I'd be so stoked for that. But um, even like uh, the Ghost in the Shell thing that you were talking about is really cool. I never um, watched Ghost in the Shell. I know of its importance. And uh, the other one that you were talking about, Akira, right? That's what it's called man. That's an anime that I remember seeing clips of it There was like a motorcycle scene that I remember that was really badass and I just never got around to watching like I respect anime and I've never fully got into it so much like a couple ones that I watch are like Death Note and then uh, Attack on Titans, but like even some video games that I really like growing up are heavily inspired by uh, anime like Metal Gear Solid and stuff so I guess a question that I got is like how would you introduce someone who's not into anime music or anime music into anime? How what is a good way or a good show to introduce them to?
0: You mentioned it already. I, I usually start with Death Note. Yeah, um, I think that's a For someone that it'd be either that or one punch man that, well, those would be, yeah. What's uh? I got my dad into one punch man, he's never watched anime so <laughs>
1: What's it? Uh, what's it about? It looks like a superhero kind of thing.
0: It's, yeah, it's a superhero anime, but it's like not what you'd expect. He's he's like infinitely strong, but I don't want to say too much because it's kind of it's gonna take away from it. But it it's uh, it's really well done. It's not. It does a lot of things that you wouldn't expect it to do, and it's humorous as well.
1: That's something that like Japanese culture just has, like an upper hand in it. it's so unconventional. There's slight like quirkiness to a lot of it too. Um, like I don't watch too much anime, but like some of my favorite games are from Japan and uh even movies too. Like I'm a big like horror movie guy and I feel like horror movies are done so much better in Japan. Like for you, do you feel the same kind of love of Japan or is it just like anime or do you feel like Um, are you like a video game guy
0: or anything? Um, I mostly play first person shooters. I don't really play like a lot of like, uh, story based games or offline games for the most part, or RPGs or anything. mostly play like Valorant and COD and Counter-Strike and stuff like that.
1: Gotcha. What about like, uh, movies? Like, do you watch anything that's like foreign? Like Japanese maybe?
0: Uh, I haven't watched any like, it's, it's mostly been anime related type stuff nothing that is like a feature film from japan really for the most part
1: gotcha so your love is really about the anime it what made you want to bring that into uh brand of sacrifice
0: um so the the monger anime that sort of coincides with us is called berserk mm-hmm. and uh it's something that i fell in love with when i was like 15 years old uh in high school i was just kind of like looking for violent animes to be an edgy kid uh and then I actually found something that was deep and um philosophical and full of substance and had characters that you really gravitated to and understood and there's pain and there's beauty and I was but it's like packaged in a way that's understandable for someone that's you know a teenager and uh it's obviously extremely gritty as well. So there's like a lot of darkness. So I always felt, I mean, especially on the gritty side, that it was kind of like the death metal of anime in a way. Because it's very dark and it's very gritty and it's very unrelenting. Um, so I thought it'd be cool to have one EP uh, that was themed after my favorite manga and anime called Berserk because I thought it was always kind of one of the darker stories that i'd ever seen um and uh yeah that's uh the rest is history i guess and we wrote the ep uh the interstice and then we found that people were kind of gravitating towards the music and we continued to be a real band after that so
1: yeah i think that's actually so cool i definitely gotta check out berserk i like the way that you uh sold sold me on it it sounds really cool because I do love the dark gritty violent stuff but also that has like a lot of character depth is what I kind of like look for and like yeah my like uh, TV shows or whatever um, but yeah when it comes to like uh, uh, when it comes to anime like um, have you ever well I guess this doesn't really correlate but like have you toured in Japan like I think you mentioned that you wanted to go to uh, or you possibly did with the afterimage you were going to go to japan
0: yes we did we did go with the afterimage we it was one of our couple of our last shows we ever did actually Uh, we played in uh, tokyo and uh, osaka as well and uh, those are two of the best shows i've ever played for sure Um, great great time we spent another like eight days in in japan as well and got to tour around and visit places it was it was awesome but that was like Actually, we had just released the very first Brand of Sacrifice EP right around that time too, which is, uh, it was like May of 2018. Uh, so a little while ago, but definitely eager to get back there for sure.
1: Do you have like a fan base in Japan that kind of wants you back?
0: I think I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot more Japanese tweets now mentioning us and I have to hit the translate button and see what they're saying. <laughs> uh, the, surprisingly, the after image ha- kind of had like a cult following there um way more deep than a north america fan base we had it was we were a pretty small band at the time in north america but in japan they loved us there for some reason
1: that's wild that's so weird i feel like
0: yeah i felt like a rock star when i was going there super super fun Uh,
1: that's really cool um but yeah so you i guess like with brandon sacrifice you're probably going to go there too hopefully um you know when it comes was there other bands doing the anime inspired metal like uh, I know at the moment I see it all the time man like within destruction for sure is another one but I feel like a lot of times when I check out like new music um there's always like an anime music video tied with it um and so I feel like it just kind of goes hand in hand were you guys like kind of like the originators of that like I don't think I don't feel like there was other bands before you that were kind of doing that but I could be wrong.
0: I think, and I found out about this later, there actually are a couple other Berserk-inspired bands, but they're like power metal. Uh, One of them's called uh, Beast in Black. Uh, And the other one's called Battle Beast, I think. They're like power metal bands. They're both on nuclear blast. Um, And I found out about it way after we had been doing, I think our our first full-length was out at the time when I found out about that. Um, So totally different scene, not really in the, the world that we're in, but um I think I I've, I've seen bands have songs that were sort of calling to it like um Veil of Maya right has, uh, about attack on titan I think
1: and they got like uh, final like, fantasy stuff too in there
0: Yeah they they have definitely had a, a bunch of references to actually Mark their guitar player has a big brand of sacrifice symbol like the one from Berserk on his arm and I found out about that later too so
1: shit but yes so I, sh- I feel like the anime stuff just goes like really hand in hand with the metal so like um it kind of for sure yeah and i feel like it just kind of worked out really well for you guys so that's really sick um another question that i got here is like um what made you want to get into being like a metal vocalist i remember off the garza podcast you were talking about how like you had a i think you had a friend right who showed you like Asley, Dine, Alexis on fire. But what made you want to do like vocals and not guitars or drums or something?
0: Um, I actually started off playing guitar. That's what I wanted to do. And I wasn't great at it cause I was, you know, all my friends that were playing guitar had been playing for years and I just had gotten my first guitar that year. So I was not great at guitar. I moved to bass cause that was a little bit easier and I started doing bass and backing vocals in like local bands from in high school with my friends. And then all the singers that we tried out, my backing vocals were better than, I wasn't good at the time by any stretch, but my backing vocals were better than the singers. So I just, it just made sense to just put the bass down and just do vocals instead. So I was like, hey guys, do you mind if I try doing being the vocalist? And so at the time, uh, I think I had joined another band and tried out as like a secondary vocalist, like that did only screams and they had a singer at the time the singer left and then I was just it was just me and then both of those bands combined together because that's what always happens and when you're in a local band or high school band and so I just was the vocalist and I never stopped I never really picked up the guitar again I recently have started playing it again now uh but uh that's sort of where it started and then I was inspired to like really dial in my craft more because there's this band at the time they were a local band they're called the Memphis West they're from uh, New Market. Oh, okay. They had a singer. His name was Dragon. And uh, I remember he it was the first time I ever heard pig squeals. It was like 2008 <laughs> or 2007 at the time. And I thought that was so sick. And I wanted to learn how to do it. And I, I figured it out eventually. And. Uh, that guy kind of inspired me to do vocals. It wasn't really like the bands I was listening to per se. I was it was more about being involved in the culture and the local scene and being like, okay, it's kind of cool to be on stage and be doing vocals. I think that's that's so it's actually that guy who uh, I have to credit for that.
1: Memphis West, I've never heard of them, um, but I feel like uh, yeah, it sounds kind of cool because you take your influences from all these other vocalists, and you just keep evolving. Um, you said that you couldn't sing or scream very well at the beginning. So like, how'd you like learn to develop your voice
0: over the years? I started off kind of watching, uh, Melissa crosses, the Zen of screaming and learning the, the fry vocals. So I was like doing fry mids and highs. Uh, I was not doing lows correctly at the time I was like inhaling them, which, uh, you know, some people, you can argue if that's a, proper way to do it i think it does damage over time but and then i found out a band called uh carnifex and i loved scott's vocals at the time and how raw they sounded and how gritty and, and beefy and full-bodied they sounded compared to like the the fry sound i was hearing a lot and so i just kind of like listened to carnifex and i grabbed my mic and speaker and i just tried to like emulate the the false chord sound he was doing i didn't know what it was called the back then i didn't know what false chord was or fry or whatever I was just trying to learn from what I was seeing and hearing and then I switched primarily to that style and I still use that today primarily as the the vocal style but it was definitely uh Scott from Carnifex and uh listening to um I think at the time they put out a record called The Disease and the Poison it's like a green album cover with like a face on it a woman's face and I was really into that record and their and their first album as well Dead in My Arms so that's sort of where it started, and then Suicide Silence, Whitechapel, all those classics as well. Um, but listening to Scott is what kind of taught me how to do the the false chord style. Gotcha.
1: How about like uh, a lot of the sings kind of stuff? Did you just kind of learn it on your own?
0: Um, with singing, there was a one guy in the scene. He's an incredible singer. His name was Courtney, and uh, he was in a local band. They're called the Diverse Attraction. I loved seeing them. They're kind of like a pop rock, pop punk kind of vibe um and i always was so impressed with how good of a singer he was and how good his pitch was and that that was kind of inspiring uh and then when i was in the afterimage we sort of started out with our first ep that was had no singing on it at all it was like heavy uh more danza influence and stuff like that oh yeah uh yeah um and then the next music we were writing was a lot more melodic. So I just decided, hey, let's try singing in the studio. And I struggled with it a little bit, but we put out this song called The Seeking at the time. That was sort of my first ever song that I actually sang on melodically was that tune. And then just a lot of self-taught practice from there. Um, I haven't done it as much as I used to now because I've been focusing on the, the harsh vocals, but. Uh, that's where that kind of started. Nice,
1: yeah. I, I'm like in a weird position when it comes to listening to music because like I don't want to check it out because like oh shit, this could be like good content for reactions. So with the after image, I checked out some songs through Twitch because people asked me to check it out, and I'm like, holy shit, this is Kyle. Yeah. I'm like, oh, so mind blowing. Like, I can't. I'm. Yeah, completely mind blown to how you pull off those two different styles completely. But yeah, so that's why I wanted to bug you about the sing because you just seem like you got it down pat too, really, really well. But the harsh vocals, I was signed to hardcore Keem too, and Keem um, thinks so you're, you're the best vocalist in the scene. And I'm nice guy. Oh, I, I love, love him. Oh, he's he's awesome, man. He's so friggin' funny too. Um, but yeah, I want moving on something that I think is really cool that you're doing. We got a friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh you, so you uh is that the only cat you have?
0: Yeah, I just got the one. Her name's Little. Little? I had her for almost eight years now.
1: Yeah. Oh nice. Would you ever uh get something else, like a dog
0: or just cats? I don't think it would be fair to a dog for how <laughs> much I'm a Unless I got like married or something. But.
1: Yeah, yeah. And also you guys kinda You go to the States, right? To like help record. Yeah. How, how, what is that like? You know, you, you're in Toronto and then Leo is, I forget where in the States, but like is, does that make it a little bit difficult to go back and forth a little bit?
0: No. So actually we do everything remotely. So I actually track right in this room, uh, (sighs) all vocals and, uh, he does all the production in his, in his house. So it's basically, I just send him files. And we'll we'll sort of talk on Messenger or Discord and be like, okay, Kyle, do a high here instead. Or like or I'll be like, Hey, uh, try this thrashy riff and I'll like hum it to him. So we'd kind of we'd kinda like bounce off each other virtually and over Discord and stuff. That's how we write.
1: Man, that's insane. I think that's so cool how you're able to do it so remotely like that. And like so wait, is your all brand of sacrifices music like self produced and
0: Yep. It's all self-produced, uh self-mixed. Um, it always has been, and it's just mastered by we have a, a guy that we go to, Mike Collegian, but that's just you know optimizing it for all the different stereos, but the sound is all in-house.
1: That is actually incredible, man. You, Thank ga- you. you guys are putting uh producers out of work. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so uh, but another thing I wanted to bug you a bit was I think it's really cool that you started like a merch kind of like or like a clothing brand. Shibori, right? Am I saying that right? Shibori Threads? What made you want to?
0: I was going to say that's what most people call it. It's actually like Shibori, but. It's a little harder to say that people just say shibori. So we just roll with that.
1: Yeah, I'm going to sound like an idiot if I try to say it like that. But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) what made you want to get into uh, doing a clothing brand?
0: So that's also something that sort of spawned from the pandemic and, you know, trying to think of ways to raise money in the meantime while you can't tour. Um, But we also thought, you know, our, our homies also need money. As well, it'd be helpful to you know bring some funds to them and we we sort of had done some tie-dye items that we've sold on tour that just flew in the past and we thought you know it'd be cool if we could do some custom tie-dye garments that uh you know other bands had some more colorful merch because a lot of bands just have sort of or they used to have uh mostly black items um you know I, i mostly wear black too but um we thought you know it'd be cool to bring some color in the mix make some specialty items that are available for like a week at a time and then we never make them again they're just you know super limited they're bespoke that was the idea and uh we just kind of started off with friends bands slaughter to prevail um signs of the swarm was on the first one distant um and then we sort of had a couple of pilot drops and then we really started dialing in production and switching who we were working with for that to make sure like it'd be cool maybe if we didn't use pre-made prefabricated hoodies anymore that were dyed maybe we start to introduce some cut and sew uh elements to the mix so i sized the hoodie based on dimensions of hoodies that i liked and so they're all custom they're all custom cut and sew and they're custom dyed and each one is slightly different than one another so super limited they're all kind of unique in a way and it's a specialty item that never gets produced again so it adds value
1: how'd you learn a lot of this stuff you were just kind of learning as you go or did you have experience with another clothing brand
0: before this we had sort of done our own online store over the years um, a lot of it was trial and error um, figuring out warehousing and shipping and all that stuff. A lot of calls. The the factory that we work with, that was weeks and weeks of work to get that sort of going. And that was sort of learning as you go as well. But uh, I mean, we've learned a lot about the industry and now we're trying to sidestep into the gaming world. We've got uh, some other licenses that we're working on right now, a few contracts we've signed. So that's going to come out next year, I think. Uh, pretty excited about those gaming. I'll tell you off the off the call.
1: Okay, okay. I was going. Is like an NDA kind of thing? But uh, yeah. So, dude, that's that's super exciting. Um, but yeah. Okay. So with the clothing brand, like you know, I I follow some YouTubers who have like a merch line too, and they talk about like some of the struggles with it because like, um, obviously, yeah. It's I think it's actually really cool that you have like a limited uh selection to your clothing because like. That's part of the reason that gets people to buy is like there's only so much time to get something, and I think that's actually really smart mm-hmm. because like one of his issues that this guy that I watch, he just like he has like industry worth like lots of clothes that are just sitting in the warehouse, and he's paying for it, and if it's not selling, it's just sitting there, and he's just paying more money, and then he has to discount it, and then it just loses money. So like the merchandise um, clothing industries was super brutal. Um, what are some of the challenges that you faced? um doing this so far
0: uh i'd say like turnarounds can be a challenge sometimes you know there are obstacles like um there's shortages i mean during the pandemic there was cotton shortages the costs went up uh and then you have to sort of make sure those costs are covered and increase the cost of things We haven't really got a lot of pushback for that. The other thing is also trying to get the lowest shipping rates that you can to certain areas. Some people are be like ordering from Europe and then you have to sort of tell them, okay, we're an American business. This is what it costs. I'm sorry. Like, I wish I could make it lower, but you know, all the carriers, shipment carriers are increasing six, seven, 11% on rates over the pandemic. So those are, those are some of the challenges. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes you, you have to sell the the band or the, the person on what you're doing and show them the value of it. That can also be a little bit of a challenge. But for the most part, people are very receptive now since we've done a lot of successful campaigns over the past couple of years.
1: Yeah, you got another Canadian band, a big Canadian band at the moment, Spirit Box, working with you too. Um, yeah. Yeah, those designs are really cool. What? Thank you what got you guys into doing like a tie dye look and you had like the split colors in the middle too. What, what made you kind of go with that look?
0: Um, so the, the tie dye, like I said, it was more like we had done a couple of designs that were sort of like the swirly the standard tie dye you'd kind of expect. Um, but I thought, you know, people think of tie dye and they think of swirls that you might do at camp as a kid or whatever you know, with a kit. But what's something that would be really eye-catching? And I thought cutting a garment in half of two different colors would be really cool. And then on the one side, it's like a crystal tie-dye, and the other side, just black. So that's, that was the first idea. And for that one, we had we did a Brand of Sacrifice one. We did a Lord of Shore one, uh, Acacia Strain, Humanity's Last Breath, and Angel Maker. That was that uh, drop. And that did really, really well. Uh, people were super excited about those, and that's become kind of, kind of become our best sellers. The the split dies, uh, whether it's the, the middle split or the top split. We've also done like diagonal splits as well.
1: Wow! And the fact that you got all those bands too working with you—that's actually insane.
0: How, Thank how, you. Yeah, it's it's awesome to work with them.
1: How do you see the merch line evolving from here? Is there going to be like new things, like maybe like baseball caps or backpacks or anything?
0: Yeah, I think we're going to try some new items and maybe also offer some other options as well. Like maybe we'll we'll play around some zip ups, maybe some vests. Um, But it's also you got to curate a drop for a lot of bands at one time, too. So I don't want to make it too. I don't want to have too much going on at one time. Mm -hmm. But I want to really focus on the actual Shibori brand clothing, too. A lot more. We've done a few drops that are Shibori branded, um, but people are more and more excited for those, and they ask for them all the time. So I think maybe the more um, out there products will will make them Shibori branded as well. So yeah,
1: your cat's so cute, man. <laughs> no,
0: thank you. Yeah, uh, she has to be. She has to be near me all the time.
1: Yeah, I know that's usually like my dog, but he's not here right now. Um... But, dude, I don't want to take too much of your time up. We're already clocking an hour over here. Um, I guess at this point, I'm going to move on to the Discord questions. So, I get, um, or the Discord. I keep saying Discord. My Patreon questions. So, if you'd like to ask a question to the next guest on the Metalbird podcast, go to patreon.com slash metalbird. But at the moment, we got questions from uh, Cameron Blake. I think I kind of already asked you this, but... Um, what anime would you recommend a noob get into? I've seen Avatar The Last Airbender, but that's about it. Would love a recommendation from the Demon King himself.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I said, um, I think those two. And you know what? Uh, if you don't feel like watching a whole series, then watch the uh, Akira. I think that one is very, very unique. It's it, literally so many movies and elements of pop culture rip off that bike scene it's it's even ripped off in the 90s uh batman cartoon batman slides on a bike in the theme song it's exactly like akira so it's uh very important to pop culture just for that alone it's worth the watch but it's an incredible story too and really well animated very smooth
1: yeah it's funny because like i've never seen the full movie but i know that bike scene that you're talking about yeah and like as soon as like one animator does something yeah it, a lot of an- other animators kind of use that same thing like even like Disney or whatever were using other animations mm-hmm. from beforehand but like a, a lot of like uh, uh animated uh Disney movies today still use like the same animations from like the 60s. So I yeah. guess Akira is like one of those like founding
0: ones I'm assuming, right? Definitely. It's uh it's definitely an older one. I think it's I think it's 80s. Yeah, I'm looking over here. It's 1988. Yeah, late 80s.
1: Yeah, man, I, I definitely should uh, give that a watch because when it comes to anime, I never finished Death Note. It was... my um, think I got onto the second season. I'm like, th- it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. <laughs> I'm like, this this is so so long. I just kind of like... um, I wanna say I lost interest. I just kind of like took a break and just never got back into it. Um, Attack on Titan I thought was really cool too, but I never... Uh, finish that one but yeah when it comes to anime um like I said I'm really into like some video games so like yeah Metal Gear I guess Devil May Cry a little bit too had some anime inspired stuff so i always loved like the look of it um but I just kind of went into a different direction with it um it's a Devil May Cry anime actually yeah I
0: figured there's got to be right yeah. yeah any good it's not bad actually it's from the early 2000s I think uh no maybe like 2007 2008 around that time um it's not bad it's a decent watch yeah yeah like it's not it's not groundbreaking but it's like good for what it is
1: well so far yeah I, what am i watching akira and berserk that actually sounds really cool because berserk i don't know why maybe it was like the title of the anime just didn't seem as gritty and noir as you, you mentioned earlier so now i'm a lot more interested because i love the nitty-gritty kind of
0: stuff in my movies and tv so with that there's three versions of it um if you can deal with older looking stuff the 90s one is the best of the three there's a 2016 anime that's horrible it's really terribly animated they hired a studio that had never done <laughs> something at that level so it's not great um then there's netflix movies and they're okay but I think the character development's a lot more uh, deep and substantial in the 90s anime. But it's not that long. It's like 23 episodes.
1: Yeah, in the 90s one, so 23
0: episodes. Yeah, that's totally fine. I need some new TV anyway. Um, now what's going to happen, though, is you're going to watch that and you're going to want to know what's next. And then you'd have to read the manga because there's
1: no more. <laughs> Would you guys ever consider having lore
0: to your music? Lore uh like our own kind of lore like that'd be interesting um
1: gloom in the corner or something
0: i don't know i think if anything it's gonna still be like sort of death metal-esque but maybe more about my own personal struggles and things that i want to talk about if it goes outside of the world of berserk i guess so probably not like characters or anything like that that i would create or a story i think it'd be more just like personal experience and that kind of thing
1: i think it's a lot more relatable too especially in the core scene a lot of people relate to the lyrics so um we got a question here from dylan i think we've already asked this too but he says what's your opinion on the whole Cleans don't belong in deathcore argument that some fans scream about when bands incorporate them into new releases. Also, can we expect more cleans in the next album like in Exodus?
0: I think that um, it's okay to have things that you like and and enjoy a specific type of music, and that's always going to be there. There's always going to be the cleansing by Suicide Silence. I constantly listen to it, especially the gym. It's never going to go away. But if you want things to progress, if you want something to live on and stand the test of time, you need to evolve with it. Um, now, some people will say, oh, cleans, it's not really an evolution. But I think if they're done well, and I think if they're incorporated in the right way and it makes sense to have them, I think it, it makes sense to use something that you have in your toolkit. Uh, so I don't, I don't really buy that because I think some, some being part of a genre is more than just what the chorus sounds like you're telling me that having blast beats and tremolo picking and um death metal elements doesn't make you deathcore anymore if you have a chorus that doesn't <laughs> i don't think that's very logical personally but
1: no it's not logical at all if there was cleans the entire song there and no blast beats no tremolo picking and just chugs i'm like okay now it's a metal chord track but you you have elements of everything that's why you guys are sick
0: well, thank you. <laughs> and even even if you had a, a ballad song that was all singing, it doesn't change the fact that you have heavy songs on an album or something like Whitechapel, for example. Like they have still have heavy songs. They're still rooted in that. Now I'd say they're more progressive rock influence now almost, but they still have death metal riffs here and there and thrashy riffs and whatnot. Yeah. But to answer that question about incorporating more cleans, if the song calls for it and it makes sense. We've we've tried to put them in a couple other songs and didn't work, so we scrapped it. So only if it makes sense in the song. I think it, it it definitely made sense in that song, especially lyrically. I wanted to have a dichotomy between and a darkness and light, and I think actually the breakdown hits harder because there's cleans in the chorus. Mm-hmm. So, I think people that maybe they don't enjoy the tone of my voice and that's fine. Some people don't like certain t- singing types. That's okay, but I think. To say that it doesn't belong to the song or it doesn't fit, I think you're not listening properly or looking at the big picture or really understanding what's going on in the song. You haven't really, like, looked into it that much. So, but not many people said that. so That's good. That out there. <laughs> no, that's really good. I think the cleans work really well. And, like,
1: yeah, it's a nice change of pace to... Um, a lot of Deathcore that just doesn't use cleans. Well, I say that, but I feel like a lot of Deathcore lately has been introducing cleans, like, even of Sulfur a little bit. Um, man, Shadow of Intent. Pretty much most of them. I feel like Lauren Shore is the only one that's not really doing it, but they did have that ballad-sounding song. I do want to say, I think that would be really sick if you guys wrote, like, a ballad-sounding song. Like, something that just, instead of getting you guys to headbang, cry a little bit, like... Um, Oh who who did that recently? Oh Darko, right? Darko does like their slower. Yeah, there
0: was a there was a there was a full singing song I think, or a lot of singing in one song that they had.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, those songs are really sick.
0: Song, Donna, maybe
1: Donna, that which yeah. um, they wrote before Spirit Box Constants came out. But then I feel like after they put that song out. Everyone's just like, "Oh, this is trying to be like Spiritbox constants." It's just like, it was just bad timing because yeah, Spiritbox kind of did the similar kind yeah. of thing a little bit before. Um, got another question here from Tyler Green. He says, "What's Kyle's favorite The After Image song or one or the one he's most proud of? I'm a big fan of their Lumineer EP and I've requested several songs on my streams."
0: Um, I'd say probably the seeking because that, like I said, that was the first one that I actually sang on. There's two versions of it. Uh, there's the original one, which I think has a little bit better production, actually, but I like my singing takes better on the new one. But uh, that would be one, and then I think our song Onyx, because I think that's just the best representation of sort of that band. I think that's
1: the song I checked out. Actually, it's called Onyx. I recognize that title yeah 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 this is the one I heard that was really sick Um, another thing that you kind of mentioned that I thought was kind of cool is like uh, so you listen to suicide sounds at
0: the gym do you go to uh, are you a big like gym guy uh, I'm recently getting back into it I we we usually go to the gym quite frequently on the road that's like a how we get a lot of showers in and B, if you're already at the gym Why don't you work out too? You know, so I've been getting back into it. I went to Popeye's and bought all my supplements again and everything. So we're we're getting back into it right now. I
1: thought you were talking about Popeye's chicken there for a second. I'm like, what? I mean, I I would stop
0: there too. I love Popeye's chicken, especially the chicken, spicy chicken sandwich. So good.
1: Oh, yeah. I usually go for just like the spicy normal chicken. But yeah, Popeye's is good. Um, do you have like any like, uh, specific goals that you want to do when it comes to fitness? Like I love going to the gym, so I love just talking about this
0: stuff too. Uh, just get stronger and, uh, lose some weight cause it's, it's a lot tougher to perform when you're heavier. I'll <laughs> Um, yeah. And just overall feel better cause I feel way more mentally clear. I feel way more productive. I feel lighter on my feet. I feel more positive, uh, less depression issues and things like that. So really it's also about personal upkeep mentally. I think that's beneficial to go to the gym for that reason alone as well. So
1: dude, I think that's the number one reason if I didn't go to the gym all all the time, I'd feel like I'm just mentally drained and not as happy with mm-hmm. who I am. Um, yeah, I kind of have the same similar goals, just uh, trying to get stronger and lose weight. I feel like if you're going there to get stronger losing weight just kind of goes
0: hand in hand happens yeah exactly yeah. And you build some build some guns
1: build. At it. <laughs> yeah at the moment though it's a little bit, it's bulking season and I've been doing
0: quite the dirty bulk so um same yeah yeah that's bad I gotta I gotta get back into tour shape soon because we're, we're about to go back on the road in uh, mid- January. so
1: oh yeah just do like three a month of cutting then. Then you're good
0: yeah that's what I'm doing right now yeah got all the meals prepped and all that yeah.
1: opposite of me I'm gonna get some Popeye's chicken it's like right around the corner from my place so <laughs>
0: <laughs> you make me want to order it right now
1: oh dude I'm hungry I haven't had dinner yet so okay we'll move on to the next segment which is just like a simple questions just to get to know you a little bit better but like uh, top three favorite bands
0: Uh, Linkin Park system of a down in flames oh shit you got that damn Pat yeah <laughs> um what okay
1: like let's bug you a little bit what about the lincoln park what makes you um, love them so much
0: uh i loved chester's voice i think you can kind of hear that in the way i've been singing for brand of sacrifice the aggressive but also that uh tenor range not super low and manly i mean it is manly but it's a different it's a higher register.
1: It's not baritone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I love that. I love the, the, the hip hop influence and the electronic influence. I felt like that was so ahead of its time. If you, if you listen to Meteora right now, it still hits. It's still, it doesn't sound dated to me. Uh, And then I felt like they, they were kind of genre bending at the time. They were kind of considered a new metal band, quote unquote, maybe more in the pop side of things, but, and they had new metal guitar riffs and things like that, but because they had hip hop influence and electronic influence, it made them special. And that's, I found that inspiring, and I think we kind of adopt that a little bit in what we do.
1: Yep, like I like I mentioned that I think the genre bending bands are the ones that stand out the most and stand the test of time. Lincoln Park was yeah. really sick for that. It, I never actually checked out Lincoln Park completely, like uh, like their discography. Mm-hmm. I've only listened to the main singles, and like I love them growing up. But I just never checked out their albums weirdly enough. So I recently did. And so, yeah, I checked out Meteora like was it this year or last year? And uh, yeah, I actually like that more than Hybrid Theory a little bit. I love the electronic stuff.
0: A little rougher around the edges and it's kind of uh, there's definitely hits on it. And I think the I think like songs like Crawling are super emotive, especially that hook, like you can feel the pain in Chester's voice. But it's a little more rough around the edges. The production wasn't as refined, um, and you can see glimmers of what's coming mm-hmm. as a, as a whole. With it. like, um, and then Meteor is just from front to back. All the transitions are perfect in that album. Um, I mean, you have the song Session, which is like just sort of like a breakbeat instrumental, and that's in the Matrix as well, which is one of my favorite movies ever. So, uh, yeah, nice. It's just a great album.
1: Yeah, well, speaking of Matrix, what is your uh, top three favorite movies?
0: Um, I would say Two Towers. Lord oh, of yeah. The Rings. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, I would say Matrix. Uh, and then I would say Space Jam, the original one. <laughs> I love how... Uh...
1: Unusual that one is in the first two, but yeah, Space Jam was a good movie, man. Did you watch the new one? I, I refuse. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but yeah, no, I'm in the same kind of boat. Um, so you're a big Laura of guy?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's big in my family too. Like my my grandfather, he passed away recently, but um, he used to read the books and the Narnia books to my dad and all my aunts and uncles when they were kids so it's a big part of like family lore lord of the rings and, and narnia so um i mean I, I not that i'm forced to but i ended up loving them and i i saw them uh like christmas time when they came out each movie each year my whole family would go it would be a whole th- event we'd all go together to the theater in london ontario
1: oh in uh, london eh yeah <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Um, it sounds like it has like a special uh place in your heart, especially if it's like around Christmas time, it's like a little bit more magical. Um yeah, I, for sure. I remember I think I was like grade 3 or something and my teacher was obsessed with uh Narnia. So she was always reading the books and stuff, so yeah, Narnia has a special place in my heart. I didn't get into Lord of the Rings till I was like till the movies came out and I think uh we were like teenagers, right, when the movies came out. But yeah, I thought they were really sick. Personally, when it comes to fantasy, I'm a big sucker for Game of Thrones. Actually, Game of Thrones got
0: me into the fantasy genre big time. I like Game of Thrones too. Not the ending of Game of Thrones, but as as a whole, it's a good series. I'd say. I think the last season I could do without it, but or maybe last couple seasons actually. <laughs> but um, I love Game of Thrones too. I was every time it came out, every episode, I'd immediately watch it as soon as it came out. So.
1: Did you ever go to the Game of Thrones bar here in Toronto? It's closed now. I did not. I wish I did that. It was cool. Yeah, they were doing it for, like, season eight, right? The final season and uh, where they would actually play the episode live on, like, a oh, wow. uh, projector screen. It was fun, man. So, like, yeah, cool. you're drinking some beers and watching Game of Thrones with a bunch of other people are getting hyped up. But it was that mm-hmm. um, episode where it's, like, really dark. You know, uh, the battle scene in that season eight where episode 2 or 3 where it's like really dark but anyway the point is yeah. the projector made it even worse so th- you
0: could barely see what the hell was going on <laughs> Oh wow yeah it's, it's just not all the, the the color spectrum on a projector
1: Yeah Um do you ever watch House of the Dragon?
0: I have not touched that yet. I've uh I think I started an episode but I was tired and I kind of fell asleep. So I need to watch that when I'm in the right mindset. That's probably like a tour watch. I'll probably pick that up when I'm on the road. Yeah, like you know, in between cities and whatnot, it's a good way to kill time.
1: I think you like it, man. It's like uh, it reminds me of the writing from the first couple seasons of Game of Thrones. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um. Actually, going back to the bands thing, I want to know a little bit more about the non-metal influences that you have. Uh, so, what are like top three favorite non-metal bands?
0: Non-metal bands. Ooh, um, let me have to pull up my Spotify right now.
1: Go for it, man. I recently did um, you know where you uh, it shows you your special tour. Have you seen that on social media where people are doing their oh, own yeah. tours? Yeah, yeah. yeah, my number one is baby no Money. He's like Canadian rapper oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah,
0: It's just like everyone's just gonna be thinking I'm a poser, but whatever. You know, I'm so much in the the metal world. Um, actual bands,
1: or like just like artists or something. Like, I thought it was cool that you said Polo G. Like, did you um, do you listen to Kendrick Lamar or uh, Denzel Curry?
0: You know what? I haven't listened to them too much. I know that they're like, you know, considered some of the best in modern day haven't, haven't listened to them too much. I actually kind of, I was huge into 2000s hip hop growing up. That's where I like fell in love with music. And then I moved towards metal and new metal, uh, and then stuck with that for a long time. And now I'm starting to get back into modern hip hop again in the past couple of years. Nice. So a lot of, there's a lot of years of missing artists that kind of changed the game. And you know, there'd be songs here and there that I'd be into but
1: yeah and new metal isn't too far off it's got lots lots of rap elements right but uh no I recommend uh, Kendrick Lamar for sure it is uh his stuff is so like progressive and weirdly timed and I think when you're talking about the syncopation stuff I think Kendrick Lamar
0: is fucking amazing at that kind of stuff Um, looking at my my playlist there's a lot of Queen on here oh shit um, yeah, Freddie Mercury would definitely be a a singing uh, influence for sure. Um, let's see what else we got. Um,
1: I like that though. You're just like you're a pure metal guy. It seems like.
0: Yeah, I kind of was. I mean, I I love I like uh, '90s rock too and grunge. Um, Nirvana also- Matthew Good. Also, oh that's also sentimental too because i'd listen to that i'm like for those of you that don't know we had this radio station and we still do called 102.1 the edge and they played a lot of the the 90s rock and grunge on that station so was oh, super yeah. into that like our lady piece at the time um yeah dude i yeah. love i
1: love the edge i still i still enjoy it even though like The stuff that they play now is a lot of, like, uh, indie pop, which is, like, it's good. I like it. But I feel like if you
0: want to listen to that 90s grunge stuff, you go to Q107 at the moment. Which is crazy, because that was more, like, classic rock. Yeah. But now that's becoming classic. as the 90s. But, oh, another big one is a band from Canada called Billy Talent. They're not a metal band. They're more of a rock band with punk influence, but... That was huge like their self title album. I listened to so much in seventh grade I had the CD on a stony disc man at a walk around it would skip but I still, <laughs> I to it Constantly I wore the CD out That was the uh, same as me you put those big old like CD
1: players in your pocket that could barely fit and yeah I, Yeah, I had Billy talent, too. I I didn't have the official CD I just ripped it off like a uh, Napster and put it on there, but yeah um no Billy Town was sick I remember hearing uh I forgot the vocalist's name but him screaming on those songs I remember just like whoa I like this I like the aggressiveness
0: right. to it right. um for like poppy stuff I love um Justin Timberlake modern poppy stuff I love Charlie Puth I've said this a few times in uh other interviews and whatnot but I mean he actually was the inspiration for sort of those behind the scenes videos we made on TikTok that's He's kind of pioneered that format for his songs. I thought it'd be cool. I never saw a metal band do something like that. And we we definitely like tag him in them. But uh, that's where sort of that comes from. And I I loved a lot of uh, classic rock too, like Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix and stuff like that as well. That's a lot lot of that's on here. Pink Floyd.
1: Nice. Um, The Charlie Poo thing. Uh, I recently discovered him like probably like a month ago and like, oh, wow, this is so cool. He's making music on the spot. And funny enough, I had Rhodey Walker right on the podcast and he brought up Charlie Puth and he was basically saying like, oh, yeah, that guy, that guy is kind of like a a fraud. No way he made that song on the spot. He doesn't believe in him actually creating the music like uh, on the spot. So I thought that was just kind of interesting. Personally, I think it's like really sick, but I don't know. And a lot of things seem to be fabricated for
0: social media. And also it's at the end of the day people forget that while it's music we're entertainers we're here to entertain people don't want to just like at a live show for example they want to just see someone stand there and play the exact songs on the record you want to see people move around they want to be entertained so even if he did fake that i mean i think he does have the talent to pull that stuff off personally yeah. He's got perfect pitch. He's a producer. He, he knows what keys are going to work, what certain sounds go together because he mixes all his own stuff and produces himself. So, I mean, I could think I think it's very much possible that he did that personally.
1: Yeah. No, he uh, Roddy also says that like he does like Charlie Puth a lot. Um th- the conversation was stemming from uh Gale who wrote the ABCFU song. You know the song that I'm talking about?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: Oh well, it it's a song that's blowing up on the radio. I forget how the melody goes, but essentially it started from TikTok, where like some guy replied to her one of her videos saying like write a song about the alphabet, and then so she replies with a TikTok video with the acoustic guitar saying A B C D E F F U, and your friends da, 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 da. and 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 yeah, so that um song blew up, and now she's like huge, and everyone thinks it's like you know super genuine but it was all fabricated the person making that question on tiktok and her making that song in a reply it was all fabricated it was a marketing tactic so it's like really clever
0: but that's, that's that's genius yeah i mean i mean some people would be upset by that um would i personally do that i don't think i would but that's also i can respect the the hustle with that Dude, I know. That's exactly it. I totally agree with that, too. There's definitely worse things you can do out there, too. <laughs> I just thought of uh, The Midnight. Oh, I recently I discovered live them. too. right before the pandemic at uh, Danforth. Oh, yeah. Music Hall. Yeah, they were sick.
1: Is saxophone integrated into all their songs?
0: Yeah, and it's played live and they actually don't have like a real drummer on a kit. Or maybe they do now, but at the time it was a guy like playing keyboards and hitting pads. He was actually drumming with sticks on pads rather than and he was standing up. He wasn't like on a kit. It was interesting. I hadn't seen that before.
1: Yeah. Um, Midnight, I recently discovered them too, but they're so sick. The saxophone in that is amazing. Um, I feel like just saxophone and music is general like cheating because it just always sounds good.
0: Yeah, it does. Rivers and Nile using the sax, damn. That's so good. And they bring the guy out who did a lot of the the sax work on their records, often on the road and it, then you get the full experience and it's not tracked. It's super cool.
1: What's uh that 7-minute progressive song from Rivers and Nile
0: where I'm not 100% sure. Hold I could up. tell you what songs sound like cuz I toured with them and I I can remember them from, you know, hearing it every day, but
1: well, Subtle Change that song it's like okay. yeah there's like a, a bridge where it gets a little bit softer and saxophone comes in but um, I never said this publicly only on my twitch but it's the only video that is on my channel where I'm high <laughs> so <laughs> I to be high for yeah so I had a, a little bit of an edible and then it was kicking in during the saxophone part and I remember just going like whoa this song is amazing <laughs> and just um, basically being mind blown, but everyone was super appreciative of it, and but also like I was under the influence, so maybe I should do that for all my reviews because I just fucking <laughs> love music. <laughs> um, it
0: brings out like the raw emotions.
1: It does, man. It does for sure. Um, okay, last one I got here is just top three favorite foods.
0: Um, fa. I love fa. What's f- um, Faux. People call it Faux. Oh, but it's actually pronounced Faux? It's actually pronounced Faux, yeah. What? Um, and pizza. Especially deep dish pizza, but Detroit style deep dish. Um, I'm going to Chicago in a few days actually, so I have yet to try a legitimate Chicago deep dish style. Maybe I'll like that better. We'll see.
1: Well, can you get it here in the city in Toronto?
0: There was a place that you could get it, and I liked it, but there's something about getting it from the place that invented it. I don't know. Um, And then I can't ever say no to a good steak, and it's got to be rare. Rare, not even medium rare, just pure rare. Pure rare. Sometimes I get it blue, depending on what it is. Oh, what the the cut is.
1: You're hardcore about it.
0: Yeah. I I can't do. I love steak. I can't do rare for me personally. It's a little too bloody. I need medium rare. That's all right. Some people don't like that. I don't mind it. I think it's great. But, hey,
1: I respect that. I respect it. I respect it more than a uh, like well done.
0: Oh yeah, that's uh, that's that's garbage at that point. <laughs> Just garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's a paperweight. Yeah, pretty much. Um,
1: dude. Okay, look, we're we're at an hour and thirty minutes over here. Um, I appreciate you just like, you know, coming on, giving me, uh, giving us some more information about brand Sacrifice, the history about it, um, the future of your band, the success behind your band, the success behind your clothing brand. There's been tons of exciting news for you, man. Um, I hope to see you guys in Toronto, uh, sometime soon. Even if you don't play a show, I might bump into you at a show again. Who knows? Uh, but we'll, uh... Do you have anything that you want to plug before we close out the podcast?
0: Um. Yeah, I would uh, keep your eyes on Shibori threads for January. We have a bunch of cool stuff coming that we're going to announce. Uh, there's more Brand of Sacrifice coming as well next year. Can't say exactly when, but it's sooner than you think. Uh, and. Uh, make sure you watch Metal Burbs channel. <laughs> all those reactions subscribe like
1: comment down below
0: comment everything yeah, yeah.
1: share those videos on every video <laughs> all right dude well thanks a lot for coming on the podcast i appreciate it man thanks for having me no problem peace